And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast. It is Thursday morning, and boy, oh boy, the news just keeps on flowing. As soon as the Kevin Durant spigot gets a little quiet, the water's not flowing as, as, as freely. The Donovan Mitchell spout opens right up with Woj reporting last night. Um, that the Jazz are now listening. They've turned their phones back on. They charged them. They're plugged in. They're not throwing them out the window when teams call to, quote, retool around Donovan Mitchell. Instead, they are trying to at least listen. Keep, you got to keep your ears open to McMahon. If you're not listening in life, what are you really doing? So let's welcome in our Jazz Whisperer, ESPN's Tim Band McMahon, to help us navigate this. Mr. McMahon, how are you? Are you listening? I'm doing fine. Howdy, partner. Uh, my ears are, are wide open. Um, and, you know, who who could have seen this coming? I really thought they were just going to kind of go halfway in on a rebuild. I mean, uh, with, with a player who had clearly indicated, um, or at least if you're reading between the lines, clearly indicated that he wasn't going to be in Salt Lake City for, for long. So, I mean, gee whiz, who could have seen this coming, that the Jazz would be willing to listen to offers for Donovan Mitchell, and, and obviously the listening starts with the Knicks, the franchise that since the second Leon Rose was hired has been trying to set up this situation and, to the Knicks' credit, now can come with just a massive stockpile of picks, some intriguing young players, um, you know, figure out the salary filler. It, this is it, This is set up to be Pretty simple. The team that's been chasing him for the last few years can put the best offer on the table, and you know maybe things get complicated. Maybe somebody comes in and and uh, figures out a way to trump whatever. But offer. I thought they were. Yeah, I, but Tim, I thought they were at, at that Mavs Jazz game. You know, Worldwide West and Leon. I thought they were just visiting Julius Randall in his hometown. They'll get some, just get a nice family visit in. It had nothing to do with Donovan Mitchell or Jalen Brunson. No, just a just a nice little visit. Uh, you know, Worldwide West front and center got some some good. TV time out of that deal. He couldn't find another seat. And, you know, Allen Houston sitting right behind the Jazz bench. I mean, it was a sellout crowd, obviously, being a, being a playoff opener. So there weren't a lot of tickets available. Um, so he had to sit right there behind the Jazz bench. And, I mean, who could have seen this coming, that the, the Jazz would uh, decide to, to strip things down and kind of blow this up, other than anybody who'd been paying any attention to that franchise for the last couple of years? Well, it's so let's talk about the Jazz motivations first. So the Jazz just traded Rudy Gobert for a bonanza of picks and fifth starters slash bench players, announcing their potential entry into the Victor Webanyama uh, sweepstakes, although that would take trading Donovan Mitchell. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago after that trade, I, I think on paper the Jazz are something like the 10th or 11th or something like mm-hmm. that best team in the Western Conference. You know, obviously injuries happen, you know, random stuff happens. A team finishes two two spots higher, two spots lower than you expect. But the idea that they were going to retool around Donovan Mitchell never passed the smell test right. to you or I just because the retooling would have to happen fast for this team to not be bad. The Spurs are in the Webanyama, Scoot Henderson sweepstakes. Other teams, the Rockets, the Magic, maybe, although I think they're going to win more games than people think. Um, the Pistons, the Pacers, it's crowded. It's crowded, and the lottery yards aren't, aren't the same guarantee that they used to be under this new system. And and I think part of the power of the Jazz position in the Gobert trade, part of why they got so much, a deal that really sent shockwaves through the NBA, uh, and, and something that the Knicks need to be wary of 
today as they talk with the Jazz, and I do believe the reporting that the mm-hmm. two teams have talked mm-hmm. is accurate, um, is the Jazz, what the Wolves were negotiating against in that trade was the Jazz's comfort just running it back and, and being okay keeping Gobert and Mitchell together. I, I think Danny Ainge would do a trade of Donovan Mitchell the second he got the kind of haul yes. that he thinks it's worth. The danger is you don't want to be the team offering that kind of haul if your haul is 25% bigger than anybody right. else is offering. And so I think that's the trap that the Knicks are are hoping to avoid. Um, R.J. Barrett, I think, I think there are two pivot points in Knicks-Jazz negotiations. One is R.J. Barrett, who's extension eligible, very nice third-year player getting better, or now fourth-year player, getting better and better and better. Jazz desire to get him is unclear to me. He yeah. might not be the deal breaker that people think it is. And then the other thing is, you mentioned all the picks the Knicks have. They have Dallas's pick next year, which is basically a sure thing to convey. It's lottery protected, I think, but it's going to convey. protected, yeah. Top 10 protected, likely to convey. They have a protected Detroit pick that I think tops out in value at like top nine protected and a protected Wizards pick that tops out in value as top eight protected. So those picks are guaranteed to not be higher than eighth and or ninth and tenth at, at absolute best. So I think Utah will say I, I can see the two teams haggling over how many of those picks the Knicks send. And I can see Utah saying, oh, those those picks are cute. You know, what we want unprotected Knicks 2028. Yes, we want we want Knicks all of your picks with no protections and throw in the swaps. Um, but they do have they've got three extra picks uh, to play with. Uh, I would say Washington and Detroit are unlikely to convey this year. But, you know, point being, they've got a ton of picks to play with. And they do have some intriguing young town. You know, we can talk about Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about a Quentin Grimes, a, a, a Miles McBride. I like Quentin Grimes. You know, so, th- so they've got some interesting pieces there. And I, I'm not clear either on R.J. Barrett because, honestly, I don't know that the Jazz, who all indications are, they are going into a full-fledged Oklahoma City-style rebuild, which I think is the right direction. Something, by the way, that the Jazz franchise and its fans are not really accustomed to. I mean, the Jazz bottomed out for like a couple of years, and the highest they picked, I think, was Exum at four. And then they picked Burke. They they made the Burke trade to get up to eight or wherever. Oh no, they did get Ennis Cantor. What what was Cantor? Cantor was a third overall. That's a net. That's a Nets. That's a Nets pick, though. That's That's a pick they got in the D Will trade. Um, The point being, like every franchise has its ups and downs, but the Jazz are kind of Pacers West, where they've always been pretty good. And even when Hayward left because of Donovan. Mitchell yes. and Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. they didn't. They didn't really take a dip. And but the, it's a point now. And I, what I was saying about Bear, I don't know that the Jazz want to get a young player who they have to immediately pay, possibly uh, a, a max rookie extension. Um, I think that they're going in the direction of stockpiling picks, taking flyers on young, inexpensive talent. And then financial flexibility. It, it's not a coincidence that the veterans that they got in the in the Gobert deal, Beverly, you know, one year deal, uh, Malik Beasley, one year plus a team option, and obviously both of those guys could be redirected at some point. Certainly, the Jazz are, are have have talked about moving Conley. They've talked about moving Bogdanovich. I mean, you know, take a take a look at this roster now and understand by the season opener, it's going to look completely different. Take a look at that roster and understand by the trade deadline, it's probably going to look 
completely different. Um, and by the way, talking about the uh, Oklahoma City style rebuild, one of those picks Oklahoma City has is the Jazz's top 10 protected in 2024 from the Derek Favors salary dump. Uh, that top 10 protection very well could end up mattering with, with the direction that the Jazz are going. It's why you always protect stuff. Because you never know <laughs> you what's going to happen know. down the line. You never, you never know. know. No, no matter how good um, it looks, you never know. You never know. Um, I, you know, this is not based on any really hard reporting, I would say. So I would, I would caution against reading too, too much into it. But my educated guess, and it's part of my job is to have somewhat educated mm-hmm. guesses sometimes. I don't think Barrett is going to be a deal breaker. I think if the Knicks want to hold on to RJ Barrett at all costs, I think they can still get a Donovan Mitchell deal done in the end. It should be noted to review if the Knicks extend Barrett, he becomes poison-pilled and very hard to right. trade because of base year compensation rules. Mitchell Robinson cannot be traded until January 15th, I think, because they just re-signed him as a free agent. So that's out the door for, for Utah. Um, but again, I think the Knicks, the Knicks' danger is are we negotiating against ourselves because – you know, those, those I like Toppin, I like Quickly, I like Grimes. And I do think, you know, people are going to laugh at the Knicks. I, I've said this before. The Knicks are now the kings of the East, the Sacramento mm-hmm. kings of the East, where people laugh at them almost no matter what they do. And they laughed at the Brunson deal. They laughed at the draft night trades. And I thought both of those, they're not A's. They might not even be B's. They're fine. They're like yeah. B minus whatever. If they get Donovan Mitchell at the cost of, let's just say, Toppin, Grimes, and four picks and three swaps, that's a lot. Like, actually, a debate we should have is how good Donovan Mitchell actually is. Is he is he worth all this hullabaloo? He's worth some hullabaloo. Uh, hullabaloo, is a, worth, hullabaloo is a high quality word. So I'm not sure he's worth all the hullabaloo, but he's he's something like I mean he's he's made he's he's been an almost all NBA guy a few times now. He's a three time All Star. He's probably something like the twentieth best player in the yeah, NBA. Yeah, he he's a younger Bradley Beal. He he's that caliber of player now. I think that the Wizards are ridiculous with what they've done with Bradley Beal, giving him the no trade clause on a super max or whatever max deal and all that kind of stuff, giving him complete control of the uh, the franchise. And, And here's what I say about Donovan Mitchell. And this is where the Jazz went wrong. Donovan Mitchell is not a good enough player, a great enough player to essentially give him control of a franchise, which the Jazz pretty much did and are, are you know, have, have corrected that. Um, but Donovan Mitchell is a young, proven, star caliber player who is extremely marketable. And I understand why he is so attractive uh, to a franchise like the Knicks that hasn't had that level of star, uh, you know, since Carmelo. Um, I do question a Brunson-Mitchell backcourt. Uh, I, I in just in terms of like, can you be that small, that defensively deficient in the backcourt, and be a threat to make a deep playoff run? I question that. I don't really even care. I mean, that's a real question. It's a fair question. To me, Mitchell is not the first move, but he's the move to at least position you to try to get a second star down the line. Because part yeah. of the debate about Donovan Mitchell's value is the debate we have about every number one ball dominant option, right? Is it's, he's awesome. Like Donovan Mitchell's awesome. I I think his playmaking is, it has improved a little bit over the last two years. I think it's still a little wanting. If you look at the second spectrum stats, for instance, he has one of the highest shot rates out of the pick and roll in the entire NBA about, uh, in terms of how often do I shoot 
as the pick and roll ball handler. I think he, the playmaking comes mm. and goes defensively. I have hopes that what happened to him against Dallas is a wake up call in the way in the way that what happened to Luca in Game Two of the Sun series where they humiliated him was a wake up call for him that appears so far. I have hope. I'm just you're rolling your eyes at me, Mr. Well, I've, I'm just saying, like, I, just he's got the he's got the athleticism and the wingspan and the strength to be average. Like, look, no, 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 again, no, no. Not to, the he, the comp for Donovan Mitchell pre draft was Avery Bradley with a better offensive game. He has the, was always overrated defensively, but still. Okay, but I'm saying he has 6'10 wingspan, phenomenal athleticism. The guy is is built like a uh, you know like a strong safety. I mean he, he's and that and so here's why I was rolling my eyes. A wake up call. Well, hell, how many times did Rudy Gobert say bleep it? I'm calling this dude out publicly. Well, I was just about to say not to sound like Rudy Gobert, and I'm not going to try to do a French accent. But if Devin Booker can become an above-average-to-average defender, and that's all you need to be when you're this good offensively, then Donovan Mitchell can do it. The danger you run into is, like, if if you're a number one ball-dominant guy, if that's what you are, right? If you're Trey Young, if you're Donovan Mitchell, if you're on and on, just name them all. The guys who run 55 pick-and-rolls a game. If you're a team and and you get really excited, you get one of those guys, and you have, like, the ninth best version of that in the NBA. Like, I have the ninth best Luka Doncic in right. the NBA. That's only going to get you so far because there are eight teams with better versions of that guy. And now, obviously, you get into who's the surrounding talent, who are the co-stars, how's the fit, and all those variables matter. I think with Donovan Mitchell, he's going to have to be at his apex on a team where he's a tricky piece because he's he's like 6'1 or 6'2. He's, mm-hmm. he's a little smaller than people yeah. think. And there's been this movement in, among jazz fans like, well, he just needs to be the point guard because we can't have another point guard-sized right. player out there with him and defend. That's cool. If he's the point guard offensively in terms of his job description, I think that may put a ceiling on your team depending on what the supporting cast is. In other words, I, there, I think for the Knicks to get Donovan Mitchell or Team X to get Donovan Mitchell and win a championship at some point in his prime, mm-hmm. they're going to need another ball handler that is at least as good – if not better than him at the ball handling duties, which is why Miami with Jimmy Butler and a bunch of killer defenders who can right. cover for him is such an appealing fit. I just don't know that they have the goods to get it I, done. I don't think they have the goods to get it done. Again, you know, I see Hero and Duncan Robinson in, in a lot of these, uh, I'm not going to say, like media proposed trades. Not, And I, I just, to me, again, I don't think the Jazz are in a position where they want to pay max money to a a good player. A, you know, Tyler Hero's not going to carry your franchise to the promised land. He's a six. I man. have a whole piece in the works that's been delayed by news and my own disorganization. That Tyler Hero is that this is the conceit of the piece is the most polarizing player in the NBA. That right. if you ask fifty executives, what is Tyler Hero three years from now? You will get everything ranging from multi-time all-star to Lou Williams and and everything in between. Right, right. And then Duncan Robinson, I mean, let's just be honest. The, the the Heat have been trying to trade him since about a month into that deal. That's not that's a negative value contract. The Heat do not have nearly the stockpile of picks that the Knicks do. And again, this to Danny Ainge showed you what he's looking for with the Gobert deal. And it is essentially five picks, including Walker Kessler, plus a swap, flyers on young and inexpensive talent, and then 
veterans who they don't have long-term financial commitments to veterans that they can either reroute or come off the books soon. And so that to me, that takes a hero Robinson led package. It just doesn't make sense not to mention, and I'm not saying Danny Ainge and, uh, and Pat Riley can never do business if they can't get over the past. But when Pat Riley has literally put out a, uh, a statement through his PR reps that said, well, I don't remember the exact words, but there it's was an F-bomb, there in, was it, an F-bomb think, in it directed at Danny Ainge. Like, I don't necessarily think that's the most likely scenario. I, and I, listen, I'll say this. The Knicks have pissed off the Jazz over the last few years with their blatant, transparent setup to try to poach Donovan Mitchell. You know, we talked about showing up courtside, uh, obviously taking Johnny Bryant from the uh, – who's Donovan Mitchell's guy, still wears the Donovan Mitchell Spider signature shoes. Um, I like the idea, by the way, we, sh- we should continue this. The Knicks should just make their entire assistant coaching staff comprised of people with connections to free agents to be that they want to sign. Let's just like go just like go the whole way. So I get some, Free I mean, agents or your- guys that they want to force trades. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, so that you were saying the Jazz were um, not thrilled with this. No, but uh, at, at a certain point, like you have to – and a lot of that was pre-Danny Ainge anyways um, – but I just think the Knicks are by far the team best set up to make the kind of offer that the Jazz are looking for. Um, and it's the simplest offer. When you start talking about you know three-team deal, four-team deal, those are so complicated. And you know, like I'm very intrigued by uh, the possibility of Donovan Mitchell ending up in Brooklyn in a uh, you know in a deal that sends KD to whether it's Miami or, or more likely Phoenix. But then you got the complication of well, he can't be on the same roster as Ben Simmons, so you got to reroute Ben Simmons. Although I will say this: <laughs> the idea of Ben Simmons landing in Utah would be absolutely hilarious on so many different levels. You can now stream the most MLB games on Directv without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing. On your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Let's review a couple of things that you just said. 
My general point about the Knicks and how we everyone sort of reflexively laughs at them. Point number one. If the Knicks can get Donovan Mitchell for the kind of package we discussed, it doesn't involve Barrett. And yeah, I got to give up a boatload of picks and some prospects that I'm, I like. I'm intrigued by. Mitchell, Brunson, Barrett, leftover picks. Like the whole point of getting extra picks is you're not in the grave like the Nets were when they traded all mm-hmm. their picks and all their swaps. You still got some stuff of at least a neutral level of picks or one less. Plus Randall, if I can rehabilitate him, like I can go forward with that team and in the East, look, the Lonzo Ball updates out of Chicago this week were bad. Atlanta's got to figure out their team and whether John Collins is on it. They just traded Herter. Like, Charlotte has a lot of stuff to deal with right mm-hmm. now. Um, Wizards, Pacers, Madden. None of these teams scare anybody. Like, you could be a playoff yeah, team no, next year. Yeah, you got three teams that scare people. Boston, Milwaukee, Philly. And, and, and Miami. Let's give Miami give, the yeah, respect Miami, they deserve, Miami's too. a top, yeah. And then other than that, it's, it, you know, the Knicks can be right And, in the thick and of I think Toronto's a solid number five. That's in these. We're going to talk about that's them fair. in a second, in a mm-hmm. second as a potential Mitchell team. Um, so I think that's, that's fine for the Knicks. Some of their fans will hate it because they just hate the idea of trading draft picks and all that stuff because the Knicks, the Knicks make mistakes. Dude, Don Mitchell's 25 years old. I think that's, that's fine. Um, the Heat, the best offer the Heat can make is if they amend the pick they owe Oklahoma City. They can trade three first-round picks, plus Hero, plus Robinson, plus Jovic. Let's throw him in there. That's not bad. They've also got the Durant thing that's hovering over all of this, which they have to decide who they want to be all in on and if they can be all in on anybody. Um, So that's the landscape there. Can we talk about some other fun uh, potential teams? I made up. I got a a bunch of fun. You You mentioned Brooklyn. And this, the Bobby Marks four team orgy. That's what I'm calling it. It's my podcast. This could be an R rated podcast. The Bobby Marks. Bobby Marks, by the way, has lost his mind. <laughs> He's in been Vegas. in Vegas for I, how long? I'm. You cannot be I, in Vegas that long and remain sane. I don't know how long he's. I don't know what hotel he's been at. I want to see the room service bills. For like the poolside mojitos <laughs> that he's drinking before he starts going on TV with some of these takes. I'm being facetious. I love Bobby. But this four-team trade he's made up with the Pacers and the Suns and the Nets and the Jazz makes some sense. Because we've all been trying these three-team trades mm-hmm. in part because of the assets the Nets are going to have to demand for Durant. In part because of the designated rookie player issue that Simmons on Brooklyn rep- rep- presents. I-, I just think... That, that deal, to me, collapses under the weight of its own complexity. You, when you have four-team deals yeah. like that with the, with the high-wattage players involved, I think they're, they're hard to digest even for the teams that are in them. And you look at Utah, do I want Ben Simmons? Do I even care about Ben Simmons? Or do I just care about the picks? You well, look and, at Brooklyn. And you get like, like the Rockets. Like Even forget Ben Simmons with the back, with the other stuff. Like... Okay, we get Ben Simmons here. This talking from the Rocks perspective, we're probably winning thirty something games. That's the last place you want to be. You know, same with the Jazz. You want to be bad for a year or two, get high level picks, and and you know, and use that to springboard forward. And Ben Simmons is a, is a roadblock for that. Or he's just someone I don't. I, yeah, he could be a roadblock. He could just be immaterial to the Utah Jazz. It could just be about the picks. Brooklyn looks at that trade and is like, okay, in Bobby's construction, they're getting uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell, great. Mikhail Bridges, Mm -hmm. good player. Miles Turner, good player. Has also been semi-available for trade since, you know, 
the beginning of time. Yeah, basically. since he was at Euless Trinity High School here in DFW. And I look at that, and they're getting no picks in that trade because all the picks are going to Utah uh, in in the Bobby's construction. And I look at that, if I'm the Nets, I'm like, wait a second, I just traded Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons, and I'm left with this? Like, that's pretty good. Is it enough? Like, I don't even know if it's enough. So let's just throw that one away. You want to hear some off-the-beaten-path teams? I know you're trying to get them in Toronto. Let, 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 let's hear your Raptors. No, that's a, that path has been beaten. So okay. we're going to leave that one aside okay. for now because that's been the KD path. Although I will say this. You're not, if, if, if there's a question of whether they're putting Scotty Barnes in a Durant offer, and no, I would yeah. lean no, yeah. you, you are not getting Scotty Barnes for Donovan no. Mitchell. You can throw Absolutely that pipe not. dream out the window. How many picks you, are you, you throwing in, Utah? Exactly. And honestly, like the most the most sensible piece from there from from Utah's perspective becomes OGN and Obi as a piece to build that deal around. And Toronto does need an offensive scorer of Mitchell's ilk. But I'm telling you right now, OGN and Obi is really valued around the league Mm -hmm. in part because Toronto is like he might not become the all star scorer that we hope he becomes. Maybe his game's a little too mechanical for that, but he's the exact kind of player that every championship team needs because of his size, yeah. his versatility, and his shooting. And I'm just not sure that they're excited to trade OGN and OB, Thaddeus Young, and like three first-round picks for Donovan right. Mitchell. That's just me guessing. I'll, I'll say if, uh, wild- if the Jazz and Raptors do a trade, I think Bogdanovich would be the guy going to Toronto, not Donovan Mitchell. Ooh. Just saying. Ooh. Spicy. I mean, I like you know, that. I think he's a guy. I've, I've, I've heard rumblings there. Nothing imminent or anything close to it. But and you know, I think he's a guy like the Raptors could certainly use a six foot eight shooter like Bogdanovich. And for the Jazz, and are in a rebuild. Obviously, they're going to try to move. That's a spicy piece of chavapi to make, man. Look it up. Okay, a little Croatian <laughs> reference for you. Um. So we covered Toronto. Toronto's done. We actually, I, I've said, let's skip them. We didn't skip them. That's good. <laughs> my bad. A couple of my Cinder, a couple of my Cinderella teams: Cleveland, Karis Levert, Lowry, Markinen, Isaac Okoro, Jetty Osman for Bogdanovich, and uh, Mitchell. Plus, obviously, picks. Probably let's say three picks. Cleveland can trade three picks: 25, 27, and twenty nine. They owe the Pacers a lottery protected twenty twenty three. Uh. I'm not sure Utah's doing that because I bet they would ask for one of uh, Cleveland's big three of Garland, Mobley, Allen, and that's probably a no. There's also the Colin Sexton like sign and trade possibility. I'm not. I don't really see a deal that works there. But Cleveland has sniffed around some of the guards that have become available in the last year, and I think Mitchell. If you can somehow get Mitchell with those three guys, I think that's interesting and. You know, I, I just don't know that there's a deal there for Utah, but I, I tried to build one. Well, and, you know, I, I talk about the concerns of a of a small backcourt with teaming him up with Brunson. Obviously, you'd have those same concerns with Garland. Uh, those concerns would be diminished by having Mobley and Allen behind him, certainly. <laughs> those guys can, can make up for a lot of uh, deficiencies on the defensive end. From Cleveland's perspective, exactly. I would say you are renting Donovan Mitchell because the odds of him re-signing in three years in Cleveland, I, I wouldn't feel great about. Three years is a long time. I but, hear you. yeah, you do have to consider that. Just as teams looking at Durant, as I keep saying, if you're not on Durant's list, which might really be only one team mm-hmm. long at this point, you got to get in a room with him if, mm-hmm. if the Nets accede to it and test his, test his temperature uh, on, on his interest in joining you. Um, can I give you my, my sneaky favorite – 
Donovan Mitchell team. I just don't know that there's a way to do it. So I'm trying to I'm trying to just speak it into existence. It's your podcast, so you can do whatever you want. This couldn't happen until January 15th because of a free agent that just re-signed with this mm-hmm. team. But a team that's trying to thread the needle between breaking up their team and rebuilding, but retooling, trying to do what the Jazz are doing, retooling. If I'm Portland... I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> don't I have to think about Anthony Simons? Mm-hmm. Plus, I might have to include Sharp because I can't trade any picks right now because of the, the one pick I owe that's out the door. Now, I can amend that. It's owed to Chicago, but amending it is complicated. And, it, and, it, and depending on how I amend it, it might not free up enough picks that I can keep Sharp out of the deal. And pl- the Blazers absolutely love Sharp, and they loved Sharp the entire pre-draft process. If I'm them... And I've got this team where I'm trying to retool around Dame. The key supporting guys, are, are, even Simons is 24. Simons is older yeah. than people think, are, are between the ages of 27 and 30. Donovan Mitchell fits right in there. He's younger than 27. Simons is really good, big upside, legit score. Sharp is obviously a prized prospect. Don't I at least have to think about that if I'm Portland? And, and again, well, I, I face the same. I face the same rental issue, right? That that Cleveland does. But Damian Lillard is the kind of star that if I'm Donovan Mitchell, maybe that's not a guy I quote unquote look up to because he's not that much older than me. But that guy, that guy is has done some stuff on the biggest stages almost of the NBA. You got a nice little Adidas connection going there. Um, <laughs> two guys who you. sneakers. <laughs> two guys who have uh, both had some ridiculously phenomenal playoff performances. Honestly, I I hear what you're saying from the Portland perspective. I don't know if that's getting it going from the Utah perspective. If you can't throw in a bunch of picks, I just don't see the Jazz again. Let's judge them based on actions. The actions from the Gobert deal are this is about stockpiling picks and going into a full-blown rebuild uh, to to do that with a guy who just signed a hundred million dollar deal. All right, why you gotta ruin my fun? I, I, that's what I do for a living. All right, I'm gonna go rapid fire through some other teams. Now I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad. The Hawks. The Hawks have to be looking at all this stuff and at like, woo. We just. What did we do? We did we go a little too early? Did we prematurely? Toss away our unprotected picks. Uh, I, I like DeJounte Murray, so let's leave that aside. Boston's got all the assets to do whatever they want, but I just think I don't see a trade there that makes any sense because I just think Jalen Brown is better yeah. than Donovan Mitchell for what the Celtics yeah. need. That's the whole point of what I was saying before. Like J- Donovan Mitchell is a better number one option ball handler than Jalen Brown, but, but he's not a better number one option ball handler than Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Brown is what I need. So I don't, And I don't yeah. see any other supporting cast deal that makes any sense. The Celtics are loaded. I tried with your Dallas Mavericks, man. I tried. No. They just don't have players. They don't They don't have players. and They I can just... do picks, but they can't do players. Mm-hmm. And they can't do that New many War- picks either. They can't, they, can't match, they can't match what the Knicks can do picks-wise. No, they can't. They can trade three of their own picks because the pick they owe the Knicks becomes unprotected in 2024. So they can do a bunch of picks, but they can't do – They can't. I think they can do three, maybe just two of their own actually as I'm doing this now. Uh, Denver's got no picks to trade. Uh, Charlotte has, has its own pick – its own picks. Uh, one of its picks is protected that they owe. So they can do, I believe, two without amending the pick plus some young players. I just don't really see that one. New Orleans, if they're a KD contender – 
why couldn't they be a Mitchell contender? But I just, for me, if I'm them, I've got CJ McCollum. Mm-hmm. It's not worth my while really to to bust up my picks and everything for for an upgrade at that yeah. position. Can I ask you something real quick? Brandon Ingram or, or Donovan Mitchell? Wh- whose stock are you highest on moving forward? Again, the role is what matters, right? Like if I'm talking about who who can be – and Donovan Mitchell, by the way, we should talk about this. Talking about his abilities as a number one option in all this, which are, are high, but I'm, I'm trying to say maybe not high enough. He's got two playoff runs under his belt, mm-hmm. the bubble – and I believe the year after, mm-hmm. um, on one on, where, on one ankle, the year after, where where he where he looked every bit like an unstoppable three level postseason scorer. Mm-hmm. He's got some other playoff runs on his resume where he did not look like that playoff. So uh, it's playoff jogs because they didn't go very far. Yeah, playoff trots. There you go. Um, um, so it's possible that he, he's going to ascend to another level of superstardom as a ball-dominant number one option. But if you're asking me Ingram or Mitchell, that gets me back to the role thing where mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell in that role is better than Brandon Ingram is going to be, I think. Right. Although Brandon Ingram has made strides. But Brandon Ingram, because of his length and his potential on defense, if he ever really dials it in, and his positional flexibility... I think in the role he's in now with a better number one option in Zion, I, I think is a more valuable player than Donovan Mitchell in that same role. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's a, that's a tough one. What about you? You got you got to answer your own well, question. You're gonna pose for, that question for, to me. You for New answer Orleans, uh, especially since I would have to give up picks to do it, I'd I'd rather have Ingram. Um, especially you know you, you've got CJ as kind of that small smallest scoring guard. Um, Zion's going to be your number one option. I just I don't think Donovan Mitchell would be worth breaking up what you know the momentum that uh, the Pelicans have built. Kevin Durant would be Donovan Mitchell. I don't think would be the two other teams I thought a little bit about are Memphis because they've got all the chips to cash in. But I, I just think they look at it as we're not cashing those chips in for another small guard, Desmond Bain we feel like might be a, almost a cleaner fit next to John Morant, considering the cost it will take well, I think, to upgrade to Donovan Mitchell. I think certainly a, a cleaner fit. And again, when you're talking about Donovan Mitchell is, hey, if you need that number one guy, well, Memphis doesn't need that number one guy. John Morant's that dude. <laughs> I think when they, if and when they ever cash in all those chips, it's going to be for a big wing uh, to, to kind of be mm-hmm. in between John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., Denver's got no picks to trade. They would be perfect uh, for a lot of these guys, but alas, I don't see a deal there. The last team on my list is Sacramento, who just traded a top 14 protected pick that has protections extending three years for Kevin Herter and has Fox and Sabonis. And, like, that's cute and somewhat interesting. I just don't know, like, where that's going. Now, if you add Fox plus Mitchell plus Sabonis, you're, you're not really helping your defense at all, but your raw talent level, your raw talent quotient is definitely increased. Your offense is going to be pretty potent. I can throw in Harrison Barnes. I, I got, probably got to throw in Keegan Murray and as many future picks as I can and Davion Mitchell, a little Mitchell for Mitchell trade. I mean, there's the, you can build – all I'm saying is you can build something, something there. Uh, Sacramento making win-now moves is the reason that their playoff drought has a driver's license. Stauskas! Stauskas, one, two, three. What did he say? One, two, three on the phone. Remember they called Stauskas and they had a very awkward one, two, three. I don't go Nick this. or something. 
was hey, not great. You know, uh, you know, old poolside Bobby Marks had another one. Uh, he had Oklahoma City. Yeah, I saw that, and I thought about that, and I just that's a rent that's brings that's up the same. Does he want to be there? Issues. Um, and if I'm them, I just kind of like what I got rolling I do right too, now. Man. Let's see. Let's see who I get in this coming draft. And uh, you, Holmgren looks like a stud. Giddy's a stud. Shea's a stud. Like let's just let's just keep rolling. They've been so patient in the rebuild. I think they're going to probably figure out the plaster, the plantar fasciitis issue sooner or later, um, <laughs> and actually be able to field a team down the stretch of the season that's better than what they put out there for the summer league. I think that uh, those issues will magically solve itself when they decide to be competitive but no the the thunder again i don't think they need to fast track it. they've been so patient and man i tell you what they've got three dudes that have star potential now gildas alexander gideon holmgren some nice you know dorts trey mans a ton of picks like they're they are close to being really interesting again and i don't think they need i to think they are that. really interesting uh, yeah i don't i don't it's again. You could make. You could put them in any trade because of how many picks they have. They weren't even on my list. All right, Tim McMahon, you got to go. Um, tell Brian Windhorst I say hello, and uh, I will see you down the line. And it's. I feel like we talk about the Jazz every ten days or so. <laughs> At some point, we're not going to be talking about the Jazz anymore for a while. Uh, but that point has not been reached yet. So thank you as always for your Jazz intel and insight. We will talk to you soon. Appreciate you, brother. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. For the ones who get it done! Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. All right, let's bring in ESPN's Kevin Pelton because it's Thursday night. It's 9.42 p.m. Eastern time. It's crazy times in the low household. I'm doing a podcast at 9.42 and it's not about the finals because DeAndre Ayton, in a whirlwind of events, everything was calm. Things were proceeding. I, I was at the pool watching my daughter do swim lessons and bam, offer sheet. Maybe signed, maybe not signed, then signed, then instantaneously matched. I want to know, were they all in the same room? We're both the teams in the same room, but the bottom line is DeAndre Ayton, after an Indiana Pacers offer sheet, it was matched. He is going back to the Phoenix Suns on the max four-year contract. Nobody around the league really understands why the Suns went through all this rigmarole with DeAndre Ayton, not giving him a max extension, not offering him a max extension, or at least not one that he would sign. 
then having issues with him late in the Dallas series and doing this whole thing of going into restricted free agency and are they match? Are they going to sign trade? Nobody really understands the purpose of all that now that they've ended up with him. Maybe this is the best outcome for all parties involved. Kevin Pelton, what, what do you make of all this? <laughs> Well, first off, I'm I'm glad it happened after I was back from the summer league in Las Vegas, uh, you know, firmly on on home turf to uh, write about this, to write multiple pieces today. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the question I have, kind of after after this whole process is done, is we did a podcast on Halloween last year, I think it was, or what? Maybe the no, the deadline was November first last year because Halloween fell on a Sunday, and I said it was reasonable. I think we both agreed that the it was reasonable for the Suns to not necessarily give Aiton the five-year max, even coming off that great playoff run. But also, I said that ultimately I would have done it because there's just too much potential downside in him going out and getting an offer sheet. And this one wasn't even as, as bad as you could have potentially signed. He wasn't able to get the two plus one that's the shortest, although I guess the Suns kind of wanted a short offer, so maybe not as bad from their perspective. But uh like was the win that they were hoping for at this point that he would just take the qualifying offer? It didn't sound like they were interested in trading DeAndre Ayton right now, but you assume that if they don't actually think he's the ma- worth the max, that eventually there's going to result in a trade, and that might work out okay, but it's going to be a complicated few months here for Monty Williams before the Suns are able to do that. So Ayton cannot, this appears to number one, be an ironclad four-year, $133 million contract. No option in year four, no funny, no no Brooklyn Nets, uh, Allen Crabb, Otto Porter, funny stuff built into it. It is just that. Uh, even Gordon Hayward, remember Gordon Hayward got the Charlotte offer sheet that was a three plus one, and that kind of set the stage for his eventual departure um, from Utah years later. Number two, Aiton cannot be traded until January 15th and for not for a year without his consent, which would obviously, well, not obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, which would for now take him out of any complicated Kevin Durant mega transaction. Now, as Bobby Mark said on television today, and I have said repeatedly, I don't think the Nets were super into getting DeAndre Aiton in, in any theoretical Kevin Durant trade. What they might have been super into is a three- or four-team trade in which Phoenix flips DeAndre Aiton for more stuff that they flip to Brooklyn in addition to all the other stuff they were going to flip to Brooklyn for Kevin Durant. That's off the board now. No Kevin Durant trade has happened. I have not really heard of much realistic momentum for any Kevin Durant trade, um, which is making me kind of... And, and this is probably exactly what the Nets want, so color me a sucker. It's making me kind of like, are they, are they actually just going to do nothing and, and, bring him, and bring him back? But can you explain a little bit if there's any more to explain about the trickle-down effects that this could have on, on the Durant landscape? Yeah, I mean, I think the other factor here is if you're looking at it from the Suns' perspective in terms of luxury tax— you know, matching this offer to Aiden puts them 16 million approximately above the luxury tax line with 14 players under contract. Uh, one of those Jock Landale is, is basically non-guaranteed, a, a small guarantee from the DeJounte Murray trade. And, you know, if you're not sending DeAndre Aiden back in that deal, odds are you're sending three guys with much lower salaries and increasing your tax bill by trading for Kevin Durant, which surely is part of Phoenix's thinking in all of this this was something that you know came up uh, on the hoop collective with brian windhorst as a part of their consideration and whether to match this indiana offer sheet because you know one of the interesting things about this is like this has been presumed to be happening for days now 
At some point, the holdup with the Malcolm Brogdon trade did, had to get completed. That got done on Monday or uh, Tuesday, I think, actually. And then there was a lot of saber rattling about when this was going to happen. And the fact that it took this long pretty strongly suggests to me the Pacers didn't want to actually make this offer sheet. They wanted to sign and trade for DeAndre Ayton because they suspected it was just going to get matched anyway. Yeah, I don't really understand. I mean, we'll get the backstory and I'll try to get some of the backstory in the next 48 hours. I, I don't really understand like any of what you just said. Um, so, so I, I tend to have that effect on people. No, but it's, it seems like if the Suns didn't want Ayton, and don't value Aiton. And although they matched this offer sheet, they appear to have done it as the last resort because even by Phoenix Suns, Robert Sarver standards, letting the number one overall pick, who was a very important player on a finals team, walk away for nothing is like borderline just sell the team or contract the franchise level malpractice. So that was never, ever going to happen. But if if this is their end game. And if Indiana's like, no, we kind of we kind of like DeAndre Ayton, it just seems like something else could have happened here or should have happened here. Maybe the Suns are just like, we don't even think Miles Turner is that good. And in their defense, Miles Turner has been available to some degree for like four years, and he's still on the Indiana Pacers. And I do think he is, particularly for the a Devin Booker, Chris Paul team, a meaningful downgrade from DeAndre Ayton in terms of the style of pick-and-roll game that he plays and his feel and his touch and his feel for the game and all that. But I just... Something. Sometimes you get these stories where even if you're inside the league and you're talking to people all day long and thinking about this stuff all day long, like Kevin, I had a dream about Colin Sexton two <laughs> nights ago. I was in a parking garage in the dream. This is my brain. I was driving out of a parking garage waiting for the bar to go up so I could leave, and I saw Colin Sexton's agent in the parking garage, and I was like, "Yo, man, what's happening with Colin Sexton?" And he said, "Oh, we're don't don't report this yet, but we're signing a one-year, twenty-two million dollar deal to stay with the Cavs." Like I remember the terms of the deal from my dream. So even given all of that reality going on in my brain, there's a story like this that comes along, and there's just a big puzzle piece missing in the center of the story. Like just just this just feels strange to me. What's well, kind of like you need to step back and for a moment and be like. Okay, you've explained to me like why Phoenix is doing what they're doing, but you know what Phoenix is doing, but why is Phoenix doing it? What's the end game here? I think is the question that's unresolved because, again, if you, you know, maybe they were hoping that Aiton would take the qualifying offer this this summer and they'd have him, you know, for an additional year, probably be able to skirt the luxury tax at that point, keep this group together, and then kind of punt this situation to next off season. But if it's not that then why weren't you looking more aggressively to trade him at last year's trade deadline? Why weren't you trying to find a sign and trade, even though that's complicated by the the hard cap issues that it creates? Like there, there had to be some more palatable alternative than, you know, keeping him around with both sides kind of knowing that this is eventually destined for a trade seemingly when he's out between when he's eligible in the deadline. I, I don't know what I'm missing Clearly, I'm missing some personal dynamic or some off-court dynamic between Aiton and the Suns. I mean, obviously, there's been some smoke here or there. The Game 7, um, playing 17 minutes, they lose by 9,000 points at home to Dallas. It's it described by Monty Williams, a terse Monty Williams, as in the internal. That's internal. S- something is going on because, 
I think DeAndre Ayton's really good, and I've said, I've said, I think he's 23 years old, going on 24 soon. I've said this before. I I would bet on DeAndre Ayton. I said this in the context of the Pistons before they drafted a center and sort of bowed out of this sweepstakes and, and used their cap space as a dumping grounds instead, which I think is fine for them. I like the idea of I, I like that DeAndre Ayton feels like I can do more on offense than just screen and roll and mooch baskets off Chris Paul and Devin Booker, which, by the way, I'm really good at. Uh, that doesn't mean I want to force feed him 20 post-ups a game, but he's a decent post-scorer. If you look at the numbers, I have them right here, Mr. Pelton. Um, of all players who had at least 50 post-ups last season, 50 post-touches, there were only 83 such players because no one posts up anymore. Um, DeAndre Ayton averaged, let me see here, I'm going to type it in, 1.16 points per possession on a post-touch. That's 32nd of 83. 1.1 points per possession when he shot out of the post or passed to a teammate who shot. That's 18th out of those 83. By the way, he shoots all the time. He shoots on 81% of his post-ups. That's second in the entire league of all those 83 players. Only Marvin Bagley, God bless his soul. Only Marvin Bagley is shooting more out of the post. And he actually, Aiton actually draws fouls more among that sample size. He's right in the middle than you would think because he does turn away from contact and, and doesn't go up as strong. But, like, I I think there's a really good all-around offensive player here. I think he's already a very good all-around defensive player. I kind of don't I, – I was really excited about Cade Cunningham, DeAndre Aiton, pick and rolls. I got really excited about Tyrese Halliburton, DeAndre Aiton, pick and rolls. Again, there's a puzzle piece missing. Maybe you disagree with me because we not everyone views players through the same lens or weighs the same things. Am I overrating DeAndre Ayton? Like, I think he's really good. I mean, I'm probably lower on Ayton, you know, in in specific and center value in general than most, I would say. But still, you know, when you consider the age, what he's accomplished thus far, if you're a team that's looking for a way to kind of break through to the next level. Like I thought Portland could have qualified for this if they had somehow worked out a sign and trade for him. Indiana is another example of this. He's someone who fits on the timetable with your Tyrese Halliburton, who's the the center centerpiece for the Pacers going forward, him and Benedict Matherin, but also, you know, as someone who's good right now. So that, that combination is kind of hard to find. And I'm, I'm sympathetic to the idea that I think the Suns have kind of gone with, which is, look, we can get 70% of the production from Bismack Biombo. That's cool. For- you know what happens if you go that route and you play the Pelicans in the first round of the playoffs and Devin Booker gets hurt? You lose. You know what happens if you win that series and you play Dallas in the next round? You lose in fewer than seven games. Like, I, that argument is real. It, it, it's it's a regular season argument. It's not a playoff Bingo. argument. Yep. Yeah, that, that 30% is what wins, that makes the difference in a playoff series. And what we have seen from DeAndre Ayton, even though, you know, the Dallas series certainly wasn't exemplary for him, is that he is a center who can stay on the court all the way through the NBA Finals and be a productive He did. You know how I know that? He did. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to know it. Also, Chris Paul's 37. 
at some point, Chris Paul is not going to be able to run 70 pick and rolls every game and carry your offense in crunch time all the time. And he was not able to do it down the stretch of the Dallas series. You're going to, yeah, like what you, when that happens or when Chris Paul is not on the team, you're going to throw the ball to Bismack Biombo and be like, hey, do something. You know what's going to happen? He's going to drop the ball and it's going to be a turnover. Like, yeah, I don't know. If I'm Phoenix, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know why they're just not happy to have DeAndre Ayton on their team. This, this, I think if they can keep their window open at all, if it's not already shut because of how good the Warriors got and and how good the Clippers and and the Nuggets and others in the Western Conference are going to be next year, it's their only shot at cracking it open a little bit. I mean, the Bismack Biombo, the window's shut. It's boarded up. You're no one's living in the house anymore. I guess the other thing I'd say is it seems kind of contradictory to me. Like. Okay, if your logic is we're uncertain about DeAndre Ayton going forward, well, all of a sudden this whole idea of once Chris Paul you know moves on or retires or, or whatever happens, well, our core is Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges. If you take Ayton out of that mix, I don't know that that's still a, a championship contender. I, I know core. that it's not. And if you're not a championship contending core down the road, shouldn't you be doing a lot more being aggressive right now to try to get Kevin Durant and win while you have Chris Paul and have this title window? Well, let's go down that road a little bit because now if they do manage to get Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton will still be on the team, which seems like a good thing for me. Um, Bobby Marks constructed this massive four-team trade involving uh, Utah, Indiana, Phoenix, and Brooklyn. Well, one of those teams is now out the window because of – that would be Indiana because of the Ayton variable being gone. But always Phoenix's most likely offer – in terms of people going to Brooklyn, was going to be Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, whatever salary filler you want, Saric, whatever, four picks and three swaps. I don't. I'm not even sure that's really been offered. I don't really know how in depth these talks have been at all, given what the Nets are demanding. That that offer still exists. Like Aiton being off the table compl- complicates things to some degree, but I don't. I mean, I don't really know why you just write Phoenix off other than if that if that offer is not going to be enough today or tomorrow, then maybe they were just never in this to begin with. And now, obviously, they have fewer avenues to get more stuff. But someone's still going to have to beat that offer or Kevin Durant is just going to be on the nets. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I feel that whatever whatever percentage odds I'm putting on Kevin Durant staying on the nets have dramatically increased from where they were June 30th, even maybe 10 days ago. And I I think it's probably the most likely outcome at this point, because if you're Brooklyn and that, that return is built on picks, like what good does that, I, the rest of my team is built to win now. I mean, it's sort of the reverse. We had Wendy's whole what's happening in Utah. What's happening in Brooklyn? Because they were the ones on the other side of that trade trading a first-round pick for Royce O'Neal. You're not trading a first-round pick for Royce O'Neal to rebuild. You're doing that because you think he's going to be a compliment on a contending team. And we can debate whether he actually is worth the first-round pick as a compliment on a contending team. But the TJ Warren move, all of these, they're of a piece of a team that's trying to build around stars, not build around seven draft picks and swaps from the Phoenix Suns. I will say, though, those Suns picks more than two or three years into the future could be very, very valuable given Durant's age and Paul's age, 34 and 37, respectively. 
What do you think of the theory embedded in the Bobby Marks four-team trade and now in three-team trades that I've talked about on this podcast before for weeks now, or not weeks, but for a week now, um, in in which Donovan Mitchell ends up in Brooklyn? And so taking Aiton and thus Turner out of the equation, that that deal looks loosely like Mitchell plus Bridges plus something the something is obviously the whole thing, but we'll just say something for now to Brooklyn Simmons plus somethings to Utah Durant to Phoenix. Um, what, what the, and the somethings is basically like, where are all the draft assets going in this trade? How many are going to Brooklyn? How many are going to Utah? Blah, blah, blah. It, it, Royce O'Neal is Donovan Mitchell's very close friend. Donovan Mitchell has had an eye on the New York market for a long time. While Brooklyn is, the junior varsity New York market. It's still in New York. Um, does that, is that plausible at all to you that there's a Nets end around here for Donovan Mitchell? It's plausible. I mean, I feel like I'm not sure that offer still beats what New York has to offer just because of the, the sheer quantity of draft picks that the Knicks could potentially put on the table if they wanted to put everything in there. I mean, a lot of it depends on how much Danny Ainge values Ben Simmons, right? Like, is Ben Simmons still the guy that he was two years ago when we were talking about comparing him versus all the draft picks when Houston was evaluating dude, James dude, Harden options? at this point, two years ago is starting to be when he passed <laughs> up the dunk. Like, that's how long that's going to be pretty soon. It's just time just keeps going and Ben Simmons keeps not playing. And he is someone who is paid like a star player in this league. So I, I feel like... If I'm Utah, I I might not necessarily look that at that as a huge part of the value I'm getting. I I I think that's that deal to them would probably be primarily about the draft picks. And again, then the Knicks can just offer more sheer draft picks. Unless I guess Brooklyn is also including it's the the draft picks that it has from from Philly. Yeah, I mean that's obviously dependent on what picks are coming from Phoenix. But like you said, if if the Jazz want draft picks, um, New York can outbid Brooklyn and. Ben Simmons, uh, to say that he's a polarizing player uh, on the trade market is an understatement. Um, so I, I don't know, I don't know that Utah would necessarily view him as valuable. I actually think it might be tempt. It, it's just impossible to know because we haven't seen him play in so long. He had back surgery. What's the mental? Um, what's his mental state in terms of getting fouled and shooting layups and shooting free throws? I actually think there's a tendency to just be just too dismissive of him. Um, there are there are many worlds in which he goes to a place like Utah, and I guess the downside would be, well, does he help you win too many games to be in the sweepstakes for the top two picks in the next draft? Um, and I, I, there's also a universe in which he plays well enough to rehabilitate his trade value, and you can flip him for more stuff. I, I wouldn't just be totally dismissive of it, but um, the Durant thing just it remains a mystery to me now how he ends up in Phoenix, and if not where he ends up and whether this is actually going to end in staying in Brooklyn and what that looks like, because, you know, you've heard it, I've heard it. There's this common sort of trope around the league of, well, Kevin Durant is a hooper, man. Kevin Durant wants to play. People who know Kevin Durant have told me he's not, you know, he's not the type to just sit out. He loves basketball so much. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, he just requested a trade with four years left on his contract. And I can tell you for sure there are governors around the league who are rooting for if the Nets don't get what they want and Kevin Durant doesn't want to play, rooting for the Nets to be like, that's cool. We're going to be bad if we trade you, 
We're going to be bad if you sit out. Just sit out and we're going to – you can waste a year if you want. You're 34. We're not trading you until we get what we want. And if this is going to be your response, we're going to be bad either way. I mean there there are governors that are definitely kind of if he comes back rooting for their outcome. I don't I – don't, I, at this point, I've thrown my hands up in the air. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to Croatia in August and if Kevin Durant <laughs> is still on the Nets, then Kevin Durant's still on the Nets and we'll see what happens. I mean I'm I'm in that camp of – you know, I, I'll believe that Durant will sit out games when we see it happen. And I mean, I think I think the important thing to remember with Simmons is, look, obviously there were the the physical issues, the the mental health aspect. It's not like he immediately started playing games when he went to the Brooklyn Nets. Like that would be a different situation. I I think my my thinking about this whole concept of sitting out as you await a requested trade would be different if Ben Simmons had immediately played after he joined the Nets. That's the scenario that you'd be expecting with Durant. Whatever you know, whatever factors went into Simmons sitting out was not just about the trade request. Speaking of which, remember the Ben Simmons arbitration case? I, I, not, I I've I've thought about a lot of th- other things instead of that the past two weeks, but uh, that I, I remember that exists. That's ongoing. I don't know exactly how long it takes these things to unfold, but that's not over. That's ongoing. I know that for sure. There have been like filings recently in it. And I think it's it's $20 million or something is at stake in, in forfeited salary, in salary that the Sixers withheld from him, something like that. To say the league is watching, not the league, because the, the league is going to take that to mean the league office. To say the league and its 29 other teams are watching and listening and eagerly anticipating the outcome of that case is also an understatement. Whatever the outcome of that case is, it is going to be an earthquake when it happens if it's one-sided. If it's like, oh, you know what, 50-50, just whatever, then it will be like, oh, we don't know how to take that. If it's 90-10 in either direction, it is going to be an earthquake. Should we talk about the Pacers at all? Yeah. Sell me, I mean, give me they, something they, on the – I mean, I love Halliburton. I can you tell me something. I don't know. Give me some reason. I mean, Matherin seems super exciting. I'm I'm into him. Um, uh, Buddy Heald's on the team. O'Shea Brissett did some stuff late last season. Like, I was watching the Pacers. TJ McConnell's still lurking around trying to pickpocket people. Miles Turner apparently is going to be on the Pacers in perpetuity. Goga is hanging out doing Goga things, not fighting coaches anymore. Uh, at least we hope. Uh, Rick Carlisle's there. He's there. They're clearly trying to get a high draft pick. Tell me why. Tell me. Tell me something. Well, a notable thing about the way that the Pacers cleared this cap space is that even though I believe O'Shea Brissett is fully non-guaranteed this season until the uh, league-wide guarantee date, they didn't cut him. They didn't want to expose him to waivers and instead decided to stretch Juwan Morgan, Malik Fitz, and Nick Stauskas, which is going to put a a couple million on their books for the uh, next three years here, even though they didn't get DeAndre Aiden. Uh, I, I saw Matherin play in person last year at Arizona. also saw his debut in the summer league. Really pure shot. As pure as almost anyone in this draft uh, was knocking those down in in the summer league debut that I watched. Uh, they're they're definitely they're guard heavy and center yeah, heavy. As you said today, they, they, they have no they have no threes. I mean, they have 
Jalen Smith is going to be there starting four. I don't know that a more marginal NBA player, and I say this realizing marginal NBA players are in the top point zero 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 one percentile of their of their respective professions. I don't know that a more marginal player than Jalen Smith has been anointed a starter so far in advance of the next season as, the, as Jalen Smith. I like Terry Taylor and O'Shea Brissett are kind of fun blue-collar guys. Terry Taylor is a crazy rebounder, especially offensively. Isaiah Jackson showed some stuff, like some stuff last year as a roller and maybe a jump shooter down the line and a shot blocker. Duarte, Duarte became like the basketball nerd's rookie for a while and then he got hurt he's fine he's like a cool secondary creator can hit threes there's some stuff going on there but it's gonna be i don't think the pacers are gonna crack the top 25 in the uh, league pass rankings going into the season as much as i love halliburton yeah that's a tough beat for halliburton but yeah the other aspect of it is like they're they're, they have a bunch of two threes, but all those guys are really more twos than threes in terms of healed Matherin and Duarte and at least one of them is going to have to play a lot of three next season. I mean, he'll did a fair amount, I think, last year after the trade. I got excited for uh, for Aiton Halliburton, and now I'm this. Now I'm just like, oh well, this is just he's going back to the Suns. So that's great. That's what the Suns should be excited about. Is there anything? Uh, here's a low key random outcome of this oh, trade. Good news for the Lakers. If they decide they have to move Russell Westbrook to a team with cap space, now you've got two choices between Indiana and San Antonio instead of just one. The Lakers somehow ending up with the road not taken in Buddy Heald in some sort of Russell Westbrook trade would be... I don't think you should even have to write a column on it. I think you should write like like a haiku because it's just so poetic. That should be your whole column. I'm just going to reprint the single paragraph from my Russell Westbrook trade trades where I said they should have traded for Heald instead. Uh, but they, the Pacers don't have enough space, obviously, neither do the Spurs, to take Westbrook in directly. So they would have to send out presumably either Heald or Miles Turner in some sort of simultaneous trade. So that, that would be an interesting thing to watch. I do think that Tyrese Halliburton would at least say hello to Russell Westbrook if they ran into each other at a random game, like, say, at Summer League. I think he would just say, at least say hi. So that's an upgrade for the for, from Russ's perspective. He'd sit on the same side of the court? I mean, that's let's not go crazy, but you know, at least a little wave, at least like the coach, the the post game coach wave or something. Any other stray thoughts on Aiton, the Suns, Durant? Is there a Durant team that you think has not been getting enough attention that you wonder if they're if they're lurking to come off the top rope like Macho Man Randy Savage out of nowhere in the next couple of weeks? Is there anything else you want to hit? I mean, I think maybe people have been a little too focused on Toronto relative to New Orleans among the, uh, including on this podcast where where the Raptors package has gotten a lot of love. But I mean, again, ultimately, I don't think he's likely to get traded to either of those two spots. I I still think the Brooklyn scenario is most likely. Would you trade Ingram for him? Would you use, would you, if you're New Orleans, do you do Ingram as a centerpiece? You probably have to add other stuff, but still, Mm -hmm. do do you do that if you're the Pelicans? I would. I mean, I'm, I'm again, probably relatively lower on Ingram than most. I mean, still, that's, you know, a relatively good outcome from Brooklyn for Brooklyn in terms of getting a young player who has been an all-star coming into his prime under contract for an extended period of time. But, uh, I mean, that'd be a really fun New Orleans team. 
I have already said I would do it if I were New Orleans, and I'm higher on Ingram than you are. I'm probably like in the 60th percentile of Ingram fandom, like just a little over consensus. I, I like him a lot. I would still do it. Um, it's New Orleans, man. This is your chance to get Kevin Durant. I know it hurts. I know it's painful. It's gonna. It's gonna. It's going to shrink on the horizontal plane your championship contention window. But we don't even know that there is a championship contention window right now. This was a discussion that was held on Press Row at Summer League. When you when you change your window so that it's wider open now, but it's not open for as long, are you making that more like Chet Holmgren's body type or Kenneth Lofton Jr.'s body type? Wow. This is this is why you go to Summer League. Jer- Jerry Oki <laughs> and, and this kind of discussion. Uh, all right, KP, um, Thank you for indulging me on DeAndre Ayton. The big news of the day it 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 came and went fast. It was quite a, it was quite a whirlwind. It was quite a whirlwind for, for DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, usually teams drag this out, and Phoenix was like, "No, nah, we're not messing around." I guess. Well, now we're. That's not messing another around. thing that made it weird. Is like usually just for the trouble. You're like, you know what? How long we got? Yeah, it's like a lot of a lot of legal ease on this paper. You know what the other thing was I was remembering while I was at Summer League? You remember the year where the Knicks were supposedly dodging the Rockets who were trying to deliver the Jeremy Lin offer How can I forget? It was the funniest thing, a top five funniest thing that's happened at Summer League. I had all these images of like cloak and dagger operations, Glenn Grunwald in like like the Groucho Marx disguise, like rolling, like sneaking around hotels or checking into like seven different rooms at once to throw people off the scent. Maybe you should have gone the Richard Jefferson route and dressed up as a ref. Uh, RJ. RJ, no comment. All right, KP, thank you. Thanks for having me. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.